Welcome to the Mayor Greg Fisher Podcast. With a focus on Louisville's youngest residents, Mayor Fisher delivered his 10th State of the City Address on February 6th, 2020, at the Republic Bank Foundation YMCA at 18th Street and Broadway. On this special episode, we'll hear the mayor's remarks in full. Let's listen. Recently for a third four-year term on January 5th, 2019. During his tenure, Louisville has experienced a renaissance adding jobs, new businesses, capital projects, and investments, including new hotels built to support the city's thriving bourbon and local food tourism, and as he likes to call it, and it's aptly called bourbonism. So that's a, a fantastic thing that we have here. Governing Magazine named Mayor Fisher as its public official of the year in 2013. And in 2016, a Politico survey named him the most innovative mayor in America. And in 2017, Politico named him among uh, its list of the nation's most interesting mayors. This June, Mayor Fisher will become president of the U.S. Conference of Mayors, a post that will allow him to shine a national spotlight on our hometown of Louisville. Back in August, we had the pleasure of joining Mayor Fisher in dedicating the Louisville Knot sign downtown as part of the Rotary Club of Louisville's efforts to connect our community and also to help erase the Ninth Street Divide. More personally, I've had the pleasure of working with the mayor on air service development. He really understands and gets economic development and job creation, and we're very appreciative of that. Mayor Fisher and his wife, Dr. Alexandra Jarosmedes, who is with us today, have four adult children. Please join me with a warm welcome for Mayor Greg Fisher. Thank you, everybody. Well, I really appreciate everybody being here and the love we showed toward Y-Pass. They're incredible students here. I do also want to recognize my family that's here with me today. I couldn't do this job without them and our Metro government team as well. We have an amazing team recognized as the best in the country. And I just really want to say thank you to the Rotary also for providing this venue that we move around the city every year and this beautiful new YMCA, Steve. It took a while, but it was worth it, buddy. Good job. So I wanted to deliver my 10th State of the City address here because this beautiful building in so many ways symbolizes the evolution of our city. The first YMCA of Louisville opened in 1853. The president was Franklin Pierce. Our mayor was James Speed. And our population was about 43,000 people. Look at these young Louisvillians from that time. We now know the major events that would shape their lives. The Civil War, Emancipation, Jim Crow, the Industrial Revolution, Women's Suffrage, World Wars, the Depression, the Flood of 1937, and the inventions of the light bulb, the automobile, the airplane, radio, and telephone. But back then, their futures were unwritten, unknown, and certainly unpredictable. They were just Louisville kids, like these. But we don't know what major events will impact the lives of today's Louisville kids. And one thing I think about is how will changes now in our city impact our children and our grandchildren? And my team and I have been focused on that question since day one. And it has really hit home for me even more lately because there's a new sweetheart in my family. That's Penny. <laughs> complete with their 502 onesie, 
and, and I'm showing you her picture because, well, that's what new grandparents do. So thank you for letting me do that. And because like all children, her future is unwritten, unknown, and unpredictable. But I believe in learning from the past, living in the present, and preparing for the future. And that as a community, we must do everything we can to help prepare our children, our grandchildren, our city for a future where the pace of change will be faster than ever. So what steps do we take today to ensure a brighter path tomorrow for generations to come? First, let's look at how far we've come. Today, the state of our city is strong. When I took office at the end of the Great Recession, we laid out a vision for our city guided by our core values of lifelong learning, health, and compassion. A city government that would create opportunities, tackle inequities, and embrace data, transparency, and innovation. Because while government certainly cannot solve every problem, efficient and effective government can help create the conditions for success. And we've seen it. A renaissance that's reinvigorated our city and remade our skyline. We've attracted $15 billion in capital investments since 2014. That includes untangling the Spaghetti Junction, building the Abraham Lincoln and Lewis and Clark Bridges. We renovated the Downtown Convention Center, and we're welcoming 16 million tourists a year, which is why we've got two dozen hotels recently built or planned. We established bourbonism, going from zero distillery experiences in our city to nearly a dozen, and earned national and international awards. As Mayor Louisville, I'm expected to know a lot about bourbon, by the way. So uh, I love bourbonism. It's been good for us and has helped us earn national and international awards and accolades for our local food and beverage scene. And then we built our national reputation as a city of festivals. Art, food, beer, theater, goat races, and of course, music, including Forecastle and more recently, Trifesta, three back-to-back -back weekends of concerts. We, re re we revitalized Colonial Gardens in South Louisville. Plus, there's Paristown, Logan Street Market, Botanica. Later this year, the Norton Health Sports, Athletics, and Learning Complex will open in Russell. In April, the Lynn Family Soccer Stadium will open. And by next year, it will host two pro teams, two-time league champion Lou City FC and our new National Women's Soccer League team, which will bring Olympic and World Cup champions to our city. And we now have three state-of-the-art regional libraries to serve the people of Louisville, Southwest, South Central, and Northeast. Let's take a look. I was like, whoa, so big on the glass. I liked it. I think it's amazing. I think it's good, too. The library offers many clubs and activities, a large assortment of things you can do, and it's really fun. We like to come here and get books that bring us on different adventures. I do my homework, and then if I get done with that, I go to the computers and I'll play a couple games. I really liked when I first walked into the maker room, so as soon as I could, I took maker 101. It gives me the ability to use technology that I wouldn't be able to use on my own. I really appreciate the amount of resources that are here for the public. 
first thing I went to in the library was actually this like space thing about Apollo's anniversary. We gotta look at the moon in a big telescope. You gotta eat Oreos. <laughs> Our last library did not have this many books. Layers and layers of books. Crazy. The entire library provides a lot of things to stimulate every aspect of your mind. And last month, we launched the region's first bus rapid transit line on the new Dixie Highway with a key stop right here at 18th and Broadway. And I want to give a special shout out to the folks who live, work, and drive along Dixie Highway. They have endured construction for more than two years as we work to create a safer, more modern roadway. And I really want to thank them for their patience. All of this progress is making our city even more attractive to businesses, investors, and young professionals, helping us to be named in the United States of America a top 15 city for millennial growth. And that is really huge for us. And to build on that success, we have to keep developing our reputation as a compassionate, globally-minded, and proudly diverse city a city that is proud to welcome good, hard-working people from all over the world. So these achievements that I've just listed, they required years of hard work from people in the private sector, community partners, and city, state, and federal government. And they're just the most visible signs of progress because we also have added 83,000 new jobs, and 3,000 new businesses. We have seen 8,500 Louisvillians lift themselves out of poverty, and more than 12,000 families join the middle class. We've invested $45 million in affordable housing. We established a global reputation as a city of compassion. In partnership with the Metro United Way, our Give a Day week of service last year again broke our own world record with 235,000 volunteers in acts of compassion. Our Department of Public Health and Wellness is a national leader in dealing with challenges like hepatitis A. And while we continue to fight the evils of addiction, overdose deaths in Louisville fell 21% last year, the largest decrease of any county in the state. Our Healthy Start program has been a great success, helping expectant and new parents in targeted low-income neighborhoods care for their babies and for themselves. And it's all part of our effort to become a healthier city. And soon, we will build on that by launching Healthy Louisville 2025, our community-wide plan to improve Louisvillians' health over the next five years. These accomplishments have all been repeatedly validated by third parties with awards, special recognitions, and tens of millions of dollars in competitive grants from local and national foundations, including Humana, James Graham Brown, Geens, the Community Foundation of Louisville, J.P. Morgan Chase, Robert Wood Johnson, Bloomberg Philanthropies, Rockefeller, Keenan, and many more, along with federal agencies like HUD, Health and Human Services, and many more. For all of this, 
we've been identified as one of America's next breakout cities. And I'm proud to say we've been recognized by What Works Cities as one of only four cities in America to earn gold certification for our use of innovation and data to create one of the most efficient and effective city governments in the country. So this is what we have achieved together, all of us. And my team and I feel a strong sense of urgency because we have a limited time, 1,059 days, to get it done. And we have a lot to do. Think about some of the systemic challenges we've been unable to adequately address. Affordable housing, public health, paving, sidewalks, climate change, engaging young people, who are disconnected from school or work. Our nation has outdated education, welfare, health care, and taxation systems that are inadequate to the task of building communities ready to compete in the 21st century. And we have a national economy that's producing a massive concentration of wealth at the highest income levels, while everyone else is left further and further behind. The middle class, treading water. Adjusted for inflation, median household income has basically stayed flat for 20 years, while health care, housing, education, and other costs have increased dramatically. Meanwhile, low-income folks are working two to three jobs and still falling further behind. And in Louisville, even with our large $78 billion economy, we are not adequately addressing our three most serious challenges. Number one, equity so everyone can feel connected to a bright and hopeful future, everyone. Number two, skill development to create a thriving workforce. And number three, our built environment, fixing and improving aging, sewer and flood protection systems, along with miles of roads, bridges, sidewalks, and parks. These challenges, typically addressed by public funding, hold us back from being the city that we want to be. And that's due largely to factors outside of our control, including our state pension obligation. That pension obligation on top of inflation means that our city government expenses will exceed our revenues over the next three years. When I took office, pensions made up 7% of our budget. When I leave office in 2023, pensions will claim 21% of our budget. And many people say that government should run like a business. Well, I can tell you that any business that saw a, an expense increase of 14% would raise prices to help offset those costs. Instead, the pension obligations force us to make painful cuts, including eliminating nearly 300 jobs, making reductions in public safety, moving youth detention services to state control, as well as closing pools, libraries, in a neighborhood place. Let me be really clear about this. Absent new ongoing funding, our long-term budget challenges will continue. Our residents want us to restore the cuts that were made to balance the budget, especially those in public safety. And it's important that we recognize the incredible, complicated, and often dangerous challenges our public safety professionals face every day and it's just as important that we invest in programs that engage and connect 
young people to opportunities, especially those who are not in school or are not working. And I'll be working with the Metro Council to reallocate some of the money previously dedicated to youth detention services so we can invest more in youth development. Let's interrupt this cycle of violence before it begins. Improving public safety also requires that we bolster trust and legitimacy between police and the communities they serve. Part of this journey includes addressing the painful history of racism and its continuing impacts on our African-American brothers and sisters in so many areas, including incarceration, education, employment, and health care. That's why in 2019, we launched the Synergy Project. The idea is simple, create a safe place where police and residents can come together, respectfully address their differences, find similarities, and then work together on public safety solutions based on mutual respect. Synergy is part of our Lean Into Louisville initiative, which in its first year has organized conversations, activities, and art exhibits, exploring and confronting the history and legacy of all forms of discrimination and inequality in our city. We're doing this in part to counter the rise in hate speech and hate crimes we're seeing in our country, which increased 17% over the past couple of years, to counter the 37% spike nationally in crimes targeting Jews and Jewish institutions, to counter the fact that Muslims are targeted in nearly one in five religiously motivated hate crimes, and to counter the 19% of all hate crimes that target members of our LGBT community. We cannot stand by while this happens, nor hide from the difficult chapters of our past. We are much better than this in our country. And we must follow the courage and compassion of Louisville icons like Justice Louis Brandeis, Ann Braden, Thomas Merton, and Muhammad Ali, as well as organizations like the NAACP and the Rotary Club itself, which is dedicated to selfless humanitarian and civic service. Please get involved with Synergy. There's information on your tables. One of my priorities has been to help revitalize the proud historic neighborhoods of West Louisville. The people who live here deserve better treatment than they have historically received. That's why the city has been partnering with businesses, nonprofits like the YMCA, and people and organizations from West Louisville to attract nearly a billion dollars of investment west of 9th Street. That includes this beautiful building, of course, the Norton Sports Health, Health Athletics and Learning Complex, which I mentioned, the revitalization of Beecher Terrace, the art, culture, and business renaissance happening in Portland, including the Heine Brothers headquarters and Interapps Technology Training Center. There's One West involvement in the building just across the street, and the village at West Jefferson, a retail and office building development at 12th and Jefferson that had its groundbreaking just this past week. So I'd like to recognize a few of the leaders helping to create this transformation. Sadiqa Reynolds, president of the Urban League, One West president and CEO Yvonne Smith, Mike Mays, the president of Heine Brothers, Interapp founder and CEO Ankur Gopal, and the president and CEO of Molo Village, Reverend Dr. James Etta Ferguson. Thank you all for being great community leaders here for us. Thank you. Their projects are fantastic examples of transformational change and what it looks like. But progress sometimes brings challenges. 
and we have to be ready for those too. When neighborhoods attract record levels of investment, like West Louisville is right now, we must ensure the people who make these neighborhoods home today can afford to stay and prosper. It's not enough to invest in our neighborhoods. We have to invest in our neighbors as well. The Russell, the Russell Place of Promise initiative launched with a $5 million grant from the William R. Keenan Jr. Charitable Trust is working to attract investment without displacing existing businesses and residents, creating partnerships with the people of Russell to build income and wealth within our African-American community. Dorian Burton of the Keenan Charitable Trust is with us today. Dorian is an outstanding national leader in this work, and we are very, very grateful for our partnership with him and the entire Keenan team. Dorian, please, thank you. Dorian Burton. Thank you, brother. My team and I are also working with Metro Council on a series of proposals, including a recently announced change in our property tax system to help homeowners stay in their homes even as their neighborhoods develop and property values rise. And I'd like to thank our Metro Council for their service to our city and our partnership. Thank you all very much. Another area of attention for our city is training our workforce to be ready for 21st century jobs. According to the Brookings Institution, more than a quarter of Louisville's jobs are at high risk for automation. That is the fifth highest rate amongst the country's top 100 metro areas. So we better get ready. That's why, for example, part of a $3 million grant we won from J.P. Morgan Chase is helping create Tech Louisville, an entry-level tech initiative in specific low-income neighborhoods. That's why we're scaling programs like Code Louisville, which just placed its 400th graduate in good-paying jobs and a tech career. But we need more. My goal is to increase both Louisville's tech talent pipeline and the number of tech jobs in our city by 500%. Our economy requires more skilled tech professionals at every level, and nearly every business requires tech skills. That's especially true in some of our core business clusters, like advanced manufacturing, and particularly the wellness and aging care cluster. This cluster is an area of tremendous opportunity. Louisville is the home of more companies in the wellness and aging care industry than any other city in America. We've got high, high levels of expertise and skills in these companies, plus the fact that more than 70 million baby boomers are at or near retirement. So that gives us an incredible opportunity for further breakthroughs in technology, data, and the delivery of health care and other services to help people live longer, healthier lives. That's why I'm excited by the growth of the Louisville Healthcare CEO Council. These leaders represent companies with collective annual revenue of over $66 billion, and they're collaborating and innovating in ways that strengthen their businesses and improve health outcomes while also helping entrepreneurs. Today, they will announce creation of a Center for Corporate Innovation and the launch of the Chairman's Circle. This is an exciting executive and residence program 
where successful CEOs and founders will champion and mentor healthcare and tech entrepreneurs. Tammy Yorkday, the Council's President and CEO, is here with us today, and she's joined by Kyle, Kyle Dowlin, the co-founder and president of Hometown Hero, which uses technology to help families provide home-based care for their loved ones. Kyle moved Home Hero from New York City to Louisville, and he will be one of the entrepreneurs taking part in the chairman's circle. Congratulations, Kyle, and best of luck to you. Think about the beautiful synergy that this is. Our city will lead the way in creating opportunities to live longer, healthier lives now, and in turn, create opportunities for the next generation to start long and healthy careers right here in our great city. The potential in our wellness and aging care cluster is also critical to our Future of Work initiative. That's our Microsoft partnership with a focus on artificial intelligence, data science, and the Internet of Things. All of this will fuel Louisville's reputation as a leader in this growing sector and improve our city's economic landscape for generations. Of course, to really prepare our workforce for the 21st century economy, we have to start early, making sure that our children, right from the start, are on a path to reach their full potential. And that's the focus of Evolve 502, Louisville's system of lifelong learning. It's the successor to 55,000 degrees in our cradle to career framework, and it keys in on two main areas. First, imagine living in a city where every child is ready for school on day one. They have the resources they need to learn because the barriers that might hold them back, poverty, substance use, mental health issues, and hunger have been erased, and they have access to healthcare, tutoring, transportation, and housing. The Evolve 502 cross-sector partnership is working to simplify how we get children and family, families to the services they need. And second, imagine a city where every high school student knows that if they work hard, they can go to college without worrying about the cost of tuition. This year, you'll hear more about our work with private donors and area colleges and universities to launch a scholarship fund giving JCPS graduates the opportunity to earn a two-year college degree or skills certificate tuition-free. Over the past two years, millions have been raised for this effort, including a $5 million Leadership Challenge Grant from the CENS Foundation, and we're working to raise millions more. You'll hear more about the Evolve 502 Scholarship later this spring. I'd like to thank our Evolve 502 board members and Executive Director Marlon Cole for their hard work. Good job, team. I want to emphasize that this is work Rotarians know all about. The Rotary Promise Scholarship is already opening college doors for students from four of our local high schools. Recognizing that the number one disruptor of poverty is a post-secondary degree, Rotarians are putting major skin in the game, and we really appreciate your partnership in this effort. We also have great partnerships with UofL, which recently launched the IBM Skills Academy. 
and with JCPS, which will open its first Females of Color STEAM Academy this fall, helping us cultivate the next generation of innovators. This new school complements the work JCPS is doing with local businesses on the academies of Louisville, where students are getting meaningful learning experiences that tie directly to 140 companies that have really stepped up, and they will be hiring when these students enter the workforce. Dr. Marty Polio is with us here today, and Dr. Polio, you've been amazing. I thank you and thank everybody at JCPS for our partnership with you all. Nice job. And to support the JCPS academies, we're working to align them with SummerWorks, creating an even more robust talent pipeline for our business clusters. As you can see, a critical part of our strategy is to build an ecosystem that promotes the learning, innovation, and development that creates paths to opportunity right here in our city. And that's really the goal, to create a city where our kids and their kids will want to start careers, businesses, and families of their own. And I have to say, one thing that's been incredibly exciting is to see so many young people taking ownership of their own collective future. They're organizing, standing up, and speaking out on gun safety, climate change. And my youth implementation team has done outstanding work helping us respond to teen suicide and the vaping epidemic that's hurting children and adults across the country and claimed its first life in Kentucky this past month. Here's a look at our youth implementation team and some of the work that they do. Because of that age gap, there's a lot of voices that are unheard. I have always been involved in my community because I definitely want to change the world. There's definitely a lot of problems in the world that definitely I want to be a part of in solving, helping, and healing the community in general. It's definitely empowering to be in a community where I'm able to influence the um, decisions that are happening and also understand and learn every day what are happening around my community. I feel like this team is an opportunity where young adults can actually have a voice in government and be able to like speak without being kind of dismissed. I really love hearing about the controversial issues. I really liked hearing what other people had to say, the diversity of their statements. Well, the youth team has tackled situations uh, that involves our peers with vaping, mental health, and our current one is juvenile justice. Having this platform and discussing with the mayor all of these things is very helpful and very unique and definitely an honor. Having young people share their observation is very critical in decision making because we are living in the experience and the things that are impacting us. Vaping was a big issue uh, with my peers in high school and basically we brought it to the mayor's attention uh, and we made change. I love how we research and develop ways of saying, hey, we want this. How can we get this? It's a confidence builder and you know it gives me certain skills that I didn't have two years ago. People say that you know the youth are the future, but youth can play a part now and we can make decisions if you let us. Fatima Abdullahi is a member of my youth implementation team and she's with us here today. So 
Thank you, Fatima, for your great leadership. Stand up and let the crowd see you here. She's one of our amazing leaders here in Louisville. <laughs> These young leaders aren't waiting to be told it's their turn to lead. They're taking an active role in shaping our city. And I am proud to stand with them as we battle corporations who use an addiction strategy to take advantage of young people for profit. That's why we filed suit just weeks ago against Juul Laboratories, the largest manufacturer of e-cigarette and vaping products. Like our lawsuit against opioid companies that dumped millions of pills into Louisville neighborhoods, we want to hold accountable those who are destroying lives, families, and futures. And we will use any funds recovered through these lawsuits to provide health support for those impacted by these epidemics. Because our goal is to create the condition for everyone's human potential to flourish. Because as Louisville and our nation grow more global and more diverse, and the economy evolves and becomes even more competitive, we need everyone healthy, educated, and believing in the possibilities for themselves, their families, and for their community. And to cultivate that sense of possibility, we have to invest more in ourselves. Out of our 17 peer cities, we were 16th in terms of public spending per capita last year, according to preliminary research by the Greater Louisville Project. 16th out of 17. And as a business person, I can tell you that is not the way you get ahead. You have to invest to get ahead. We live in a competitive world, and we're competing for businesses and for talent, and we compete on quality of life and quality of place. And our competitor cities are investing in themselves. Indianapolis passed a transit tax to completely revamp their bus service. Cincinnati is making significant investments in transportation and schools. Voters in Tampa approved a major road and transportation initiative. Austin has added significant funding for affordable housing. And Oklahoma City voters approved billions of dollars in public funding to address infrastructure and education needs and to improve quality of life. And the great thing for them, that public investment was leveraged three times over by follow-up private investment. Former Oklahoma City Mayor Mick Cornett, one of my Republican friends, once said, it's not that other mayors and cities didn't want to do what we've done, we just figured out a way to pay for it. I am confident that Louisville can produce the courage to figure this out too, and we must. There are multiple options. There are multiple options, like a restaurant tax, which is allowed in some Kentucky cities, but not, not ours. This restaurant tax alone could fully fund our remaining pension obligation. One option locally is to take up the insurance premium tax, or the state could implement a road tax, which would help address roadways and bridges in dire need of repair and upgrading. Or maybe Frankfurt agrees to grant Kentucky cities and Kentuckians a greater ability to raise our own revenue, fund our own capital projects. These issues are all under discussion in Frankfurt. And I'm having conversations with Governor Bashir and with legislative leaders on both sides of the aisle about, to, about the need to invest in the people of Kentucky, including our city, the economic engine of the state. However we move forward, 
the priority is achieving results. And we can solve this funding challenge like we've solved so many others by working together. That's why I ask today that you let your elected representatives know that you support investing in the potential of our city. Remind them what we have accomplished without the investment capacity our competitor cities have. And imagine what we could do with the power to create our own future. We could address the key challenges that I talked about, equity, workforce, our built environment. We could invest in the under-resourced teenager who wants a future of education and opportunity, the working parent who needs new skills to provide for their kids and secure their own retirement. We could repair and improve our roads, bridges, buildings, parks, and our wastewater and flood protection systems. To do this, we need your voices to be heard loudly and frequently by those who have the power and the responsibility to provide the tools we need to make those investments. And there are cards on your tables with information about how to do that. Please get involved. And I have one more request for you today. And I ask it every year because it's so important. Please support our Summer Works program. Remember your first summer job? Your first boss, your first mentor? Remember that, how that cash felt in your pocket? Remember how you were taught to be a professional and the feeling of satisfaction that that gave you? That's what SummerWorks offers. We've grown SummerWorks from 200 kids the first year to 7,000 kids now. But there's still more that needs to be done. We have thousands of more kids we need to lift up. And SummerWorks offers often that opportunity for kids whose families lack the connections to open doors for their children. We have to open those doors for them. So I thank you in advance for your help. And more importantly, folks like this young man, thank you. Our final video. My name is Gary. I'm from Rwanda. I was born there. I am a senior at high school. I go to school for three days. It's not too far. And I come here to eat Mondays and Fridays. During my summer works program, I trained here. The summer works program means a lot to me because they taught me so much things. I never knew how to use power tools. But now I know how to use so many. I learned how to be on time. I learned how to collaborate with people, and I learned different skills. I became mentor to some different people because of me doing this. Different young people asking me, how can I come to GE? Can you help me apply? I'm the one who put this door on the left chair. I always like encourage them to come to work to this place. I love this place so much. I'm also getting so many opportunities. My family is happy for me, my school is happy for me, and many people are so happy. Gotti is here with us today, and he's well on his way to getting his engineering degree. Oh, Gotti! <laughs> I want to thank the GE team as well. Allison Martin for representing GE here today, and Chris Locke, director of our Summer Works program. Way to go, guys.
The transformational experience that Gotti is having and the role model he is to his fellow students, we want every young person to be able to have that opportunity. And you all in this room can make that happen by hiring a kid with our Summer Works program, or if you don't have a company, a $2,500 donation sponsors one of our youth every year. So please help us. You have in the past before, but I'm always going to pitch you. There's postcards on your table about Summer Works. The sense of satisfaction that you get from these videos of seeing young leaders like Fatima and Gotti, that you cannot put a price on that. Okay, so this is a real opportunity for us today. So I'd like to close by thanking the young people of our city. They inspire us. They remind us that we have much to celebrate and much work to do. They will grow up in ways that we cannot fully imagine. And someday, they'll have children and grandchildren of their own. That's why it's essential that we do everything in our control to make their path clear and light the way. That's our challenge and our opportunity. Thank you all for your time and attention. Thank you for the love and compassion that you show our city. And let's keep working together to create the Louisville we want for ourselves and that our children and grandchildren deserve. Thank you. Thank you.